You are now entering an uncomfortable but necessary conversation with your host, Nicole Jennings. Welcome back to another episode of Uncomfortable But Necessary Conversations with me, your host, Nicole Jennings. We have quite the episode ahead of us, so let's get started. As always, we are going to be starting our episode off with definitions. And on today's episode, we will be learning a lot, but it all stems from racism. Just like the opposite of up is down, the opposite of right is left, and the opposite of racism or racist is anti-racist. The concept behind quote-unquote not being racist is a thing, but in the larger scope of things, that's not enough in the fight against racism. To be not racist is pretty much complacency, for lack of better words, words. And so the concept of not being racist and anti-racist, two different things. Um, So let's break down some things. There is a um, fight going on against racism, and that fight is called anti-racism. And the concept behind it means that there are so many forms of racism that we have begun to normalize that it's definitely shaped our society and our systems. Um, And we have begun to look at unfair treatment and oppression of people of color as the norm. And one thing that I want to do is, as we continue to have these conversations, is just to ensure that we're all coming from the same definition, because that's where a lot of confusion lies. When you think racism and racist means someone with a hooded, a hooded, uh, you know, KKK outfit on. Yep, they're racist too, but that's more of a white supremacist. Another definition for a different day, but just understand that you don't have to be that KKK person for you to be racist. And it's so easy to do because it's been done for so long that it has become these definitions. Individual racism refers to the beliefs, attitudes, and actions of individuals that support racism in conscious and unconscious ways. Um, Our cultural narrative about racism typically focuses on individual racism and fails to recognize that it's actually a systemic thing. It's like kind of like the core of racism. There's that core of it. And then the things that are built around it are being supported at the core by racist structures and it's allowing things to continue on and be built into our society as the norm. Um, An example 
would include believing in the superiority of white people, um, not hiring a person of color because something just doesn't feel right, or even just as basic as telling a racist joke. Um, that's, yeah, pretty much it. It's not really hard to understand. And so the concept outside of that is the institutional racism, which occurs within organizations. So there are discriminatory you know, treatment unfair policies or biased practices um, based on a person's color that, re that results in inequitable outcomes uh, for whites over people of color and extended um, considerably beyond prejudice. And so when we talk about being equitable, that means everybody is given fair, a fair treatment, a fair chance, and given what they need on within their situation. Um, and these institutional policies often never mention any racial group, uh, but the intent is to create advantages. So an example, a school system where students of color are more frequently distributed into the most crowded classrooms and underfunded schools and out of higher uh, like resource schools. So pretty much you, when you have kids and you are sending them to schools and where our kids are going to schools and we know that they don't have what they need to succeed, that's an institutional based system that is realistically based on their color. And it is not, you know, everyone's always going to go back to, well, it's not my fault that they can't, you know, come to the schools where the, the supplies are. Well, realistically, they can't, you know, there's not a system in place to get them there. And then the system that we believe should be taking care of them in that space, whether it's through taxes or through funding, governmental funding, it's not in place. So that's an institutional based um, racism. So structural racism is the overarching system of racial bias across institutions and society. Um, so pretty much these systems give privileges to white people resulting in, at, in disadvantages to people of color. An example of this is stereotypes of people of color as criminals in the mainstream movie and media, and then you know, pushing that, pumping that into the mainstream media. And then when people are seeing these things, it is becoming the norm in their mind. So whenever they see a black man or they see a black child or they see a little boy in a hoodie or whatever it is, they automatically think criminal. And that is created because of the things that they've seen in the structural overarching system of the media that's pumping that information into our mind into our structures and into our institutions and then again operating on a day-to-day -day basis making it the norm so i hope that that was helpful for you and so that as we are going into this next portion of the uncomfortable conversation you're going to be going into that part with a better understanding of what it is that's being talked about when it comes to structural race racism institutional racism and just personal, individual racism. Let's get started. I want to know, you guys know about things that have been going on here in Minneapolis that I may have taught you 
And I will start with Ava because Ava is actually the youngest and actually has not gone to any of the marches or has seen any of the videos that we've been watching. So Ava, tell me, what is it that you know that is going on about around us right now in Minneapolis where we live, where we call home? Police are killing well, it's convinced people and it's called... Police brutality. And what else? Um, how there's been a lot of marches and how the marches, the police, there's been some police that um going with the marches. And how does all of that make you feel at the end of the day? Marches and all of the things that Marty just mentioned. It makes me happy, but sad. It makes me happy because people are standing up for themselves. Mm -hmm. It makes me sad that we shouldn't even have to do that. And when I think about you guys here in Minneapolis or anywhere else actually for that matter it's important to be able to teach you the truth but then also do it in a way where your heart's not hardened because you guys are such loving little humans because that's who we raised you to be right we've raised you to love everyone we've raised you guys to see people for who they are and one of the things that daddy and I have talked about frequently is the fact that sometimes when we're teaching you that and then we know what's going on in the world around us Ava it, it might sometimes feel like we're not setting you up for success when we don't have those uncomfortable conversations and I figured you know what I'm probably not the only mommy out there that might look like us might not look like us but might not know how to have those conversations. We talk about penis, vaginas, and breasts. Not uncomfortable to me when I have them. <laughs> like, well, not the penis part. I have the vagina part, but that's the point. <laughs> that's important information to know but you gotta think about that you know what I mean because if it makes you uncomfortable to even hear me say it how many people out there are uncomfortable to even have, have to have that conversation with their children who might not be how are you going to feel comfortable enough to tell me or a doctor or someone who would need to know about it if you can't even talk to so I wanted to make those words penis vagina and breasts and everything else uterus all of those things normal around here and I know that initially when I first started teaching Amaya that let, let her be a let her be a kid don't make her grow up too soon not sure how penis vagina and breasts were going to make you grow up too soon but I wanted you to know what they were in case it came down to a moment in time where you needed to tell me something about one of those parts that you could and so for me it wasn't that I was trying to grow you up too soon but it was about the fact that I needed you to know and it was important for me as your mommy to teach you because I didn't want someone else to come around and teach you their truths you would but you would I mean but that's my thing if no one taught you what it meant to have that anybody could tell you anything and you would think that that's what you had but because I don't allow that then we don't have that problem and the same thing is going to be the case with race relations in America I don't want you guys to leave this house 
and be fearful of your life, but I want you to leave this house and understand how the world is right now, currently, being lived by others that might not have the same viewpoint as you. And instead of just having you guys go out there and figure it out, I want to teach you about it. And I want to teach all the way back to the very, very beginning of where it even started. Because you don't hear about slaves and slavery and how even slaves came to be. What happened when they were here? Why is it that, however, 450 years later, when there's supposedly freedom, why is it that Black people in America are still being hurt by people who are supposed to be here to protect and serve? Or just in general, when it comes to other things and the systems that we, and if they become normal, no one's ever going to speak up about something that's normal. But if we recognize that there is something not normal with those systems, we can fix it. But until you acknowledge there's a problem, you can't. I want to show you guys and tell you guys about the things that are problems in the world and empower you to know that you don't have to live a life of fear. I appreciate you, Abe, for joining us. Aaliyah, tell me what it is that you know about the world that we live in right now. Well, right now, there's the protests and marches. I know it's like more than just for Floyd, but that's what really like set it off for everybody even more than what it was before, because that's when everything started to riot, more protesting and more um, marches. And people are coming together um, to stand up for black people and black lives that matter. And it's like a family outside of a family. Absolutely. And you're going to stand up for your family outside of your family. And I didn't teach that. That's just, that's how you, that's how you process things. And that's super cool. Amaya. Well, right now, I feel like it's just like these built of anger that black people have had and that have like always been carried with them throughout this whole like police brutality situation. Not just with George Floyd, but like the previous killings too. And like, even like since slavery, there has been like uprising with like the civil rights movement and the black power movement and everything. And now there's this, which is like in not a whole era, but like something that will be remembered because it like the entire United States has like come together to show support for something, which I see as. Like some people like will take advantage of the situation and some people will use the situation for like the right reasons. Like some people will like take this what is happening and like use it on like their social media or something just for like just show that they were like there or something mm-hmm. and then like show they're like active in it but they don't really care or understand what is really happening and why mm-hmm. the black community is really really upset and tired of everything. I think one of the things that you just said that's really important that again a lot of people not you know just the people that you're talking about now but is why you know what I mean like people oftentimes have a lot of questions why are people rioting why why do we just have signs that say black lives matter and why is this but why do you think someone would riot why do you think someone would even need to even tell somebody else that their lives matter. Well, I mean, that, that was just more me saying that statement, but I'd love to hear how you thought that through. It's like, all lives matter. It's not like you just like go around killing people, not getting trouble for it and stuff. All lives matter. But 
it's like people think that they're like better than other people so it's like we have to remind them mm-hmm. that black lives matter like mm-hmm. in reality all lives matter mm-hmm. so it's like frustrating that us we have to remind them even they already know that but they just choose not to like care about it maybe they don't know that maybe they haven't been taught that Black people are tired because they have been being suppressed for so long. 200 plus years of slavery, then not being, like, being able to vote, not being able to go to a school, not being able to sit at a lunch counter, drink out of a fountain, play in a park, like being around certain people. And now you can do that, but it's, it's like hidden segregation. I think that you guys all have different vantage points and I think ways of understanding. So my goal in this all is to break it down to the very, very that I think that maybe Ava might know and then we can build upon that each time we get a chance to connect or talk. So there's a minority and there is a majority. A minority is the group of people who are less than the group of people that are more than them. So if there's black people, if the white people are the majority, Ava, what is the minority groups the um, African-American yep African-American people but that's the other thing right now we're talking about African-American people because we're African-American but there are black and brown people and I don't you know how I feel about that and the concept of colors it's like black is a crayon color brown is a crayon color white is a crayon color people of color works better for me or African American works great actually for me but again that's my personal perspective and I know that sometimes it's just easier to say black but it's black and brown and people who indigenous people meaning people who are Native American or Hispanics huh mixed mixed yes because they're black they're brown but some part of them might be black but realistically speaking is anybody that's not white if you are not white don't care what you think you are a minority in this country anyway and so that's number one and so number two let's use it this way if you were on a playground and you were the only one that had a lollipop and it didn't even matter about what color people are anymore around you and there were five other girls around you who didn't think you should have a lollipop because I don't have a lollipop so I'm going to figure out a way to make sure you don't have a lollipop. And if you keep that lollipop, I'm going to make sure that when you go to lunch, it's going to be hard for you to get a lunch table. When you go to get something to drink, you're only going to have the options we want you to have because the majority is making the rules for the minority because of the way that they see things. So because like my example, Ava has her sucker and because I don't have a sucker and these four other girls don't have, we're going to make life really, really hard. Or how about this? This is another because this is the way it's called. This is another term that is used sometimes that you'll hear people say called like the black experience. The black experience is like running a race. And in that race, like a race, like running race. Mm-hmm. And you know what a hurdle is? when you something you jump over and so if on a track there's lanes there's maybe there's four of us in this room there's four lanes and we each have our lane and we're in a race 
and we're running and before you know it you look up everybody else is a fr- that doesn't look like you is ahead of you and their lanes are free of any hurdles but your lanes have hurdles like you know what tacks are those little sticky things that you can stick up on the wall and it goes to the wall in the paper like a tack a thump and it hurts and makes you bleed and you you're running a race and you don't have shoes they have on those nikes those nike air max shoes that almost make you feel like your feet are on clouds and you can run forever but you have on no shoes and you're running right when you think you got it made somebody has thrown some tacks in your race on your lane while you're running with no shoes but you know what you gonna keep running anyway and then your feet are sore and they hurt and they're bleeding and the next thing you see you got four more hurdles back to back boom 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 you trip over one but you get up I actually did that in real life. Daddy, I have to tell you the story. Anyway, I got, but you know what I did? And this is a very big deal in this situation. After that hurdle, I fell. I got up. I was last, but I finished the race. And that's what I want you guys to know. Like this journey of life that we're in, people who lived before us made major moves in our track, in our lane, even without shoes, thumbtacks in their lane and hurdles. And then people loose dogs and, and water hose on them, but they kept running in their lane. And we're still on that track right now. And just just because those things got put in their lane, it did not stop them. And even though some of them, you know, they weren't perfect, things didn't always go as planned. But, and I think of it in this explanation, in a relay race, you have a team, right? And you're running. And when you get to your point, there's this long stick and you hand it off to the person. And then what do they do once you hand them the stick? They start rolling and then they run their race. And as human beings, we're not here forever. We can only go so far. Once they hand off that next baton, it's up to that person to keep running the race. What do you think that track team or that relay team had to do before they got on the track? Train. Had had to train, had to practice, had to work. Do you think they had to learn new skills? You still have someone there to make you better. So when sometimes there's people who are called subs, when you have to fill in for somebody who might have had to, that might have got sick and on another team or whatever, but you got to still train to prepare to be able to fill in. And if you can't fill in, you're going to be the thing that slows down and makes the team lose. But the one thing that I thought that I wanted to drive home as we start to round out our time together is that we each do our part. And the person who's at the beginning of the race has to do, I can't remember if they run the fastest or whatever, but they call them the split. Daddy could tell us more about that. And I think that what's important is that each person that's either first or second or third in the relay race, the person who's up at the end, do you think they need to run the fastest or the slowest? The fastest. 
They got to bring it home. They got to bring it home. And guess what, y'all? Y'all part of the, y'all the end of the replay race. I feel like it's up to mommy and daddy to give you guys all the training that we can give you. But I don't want to determine what you believe at the end of the day. You want you guys to come up with your own definition of what the race looks like for you. Because where we live, where we are in this moment, daddy and I's race is going to be different than yours. And if you guys, in my mind, how I envision it, when George Floyd was murdered, it sparked something in people. And now people feel and see the things that we've always been saying. We've always said there's been police brutality. We've always been saying that there's a thing called white privilege. We've always been saying that there's racism. And just because I look different and people are like, no, I don't see it. Well, I guess if you're not black and you're not being someone being prejudiced to you because you white, you won't see it. But as soon as they saw that situation, and I didn't even show a lib of that officer's knee on his neck and his facial expression. There was a whole mixture of emotion that went into all of that, but Ava still hasn't seen that. I don't want to taint it so that if and when she does, she makes her own decision. But the end, at the end of the day, there's no way that the world, black, white, brown, yellow, purple, don't care what color you are that you don't see that and you don't recognize how wrong that was and how wrong it has been on all of the other people that we mentioned or that we know about but nobody made a big deal about because it wasn't done like that it's like bullying for yourself or you'd be an upstander for someone else if like you was being bullied and she wasn't standing up for herself it wasn't going to stop unless someone like a teacher or a friend was going to stand up to them it, it's not going to stop because it's not affecting the bully it's making someone lower so they can feel better it's not going to stop unless someone stops it exactly and it's not just someone because do you think she's the only, the only bully in the world no. no there's a whole lot of bullies in the world and you're going to need a whole lot of upstandable people upstanding people to help with that motion and that's the same concept that's going on now and those are called allies but we'll talk about that in another setting but remember that word because allies are important and even still with, with the concept of allies mommy has a whole thought process on that but I don't want to digress from what we're talking about because I'm still I gotta round out our relay team here you guys are all a part of the relay team just like Martin Luther King was part of the relay team uh, Malcolm X was part of the relay team people who were before us Rosa Parks like that's why I'm adamant when you get on the school bus where must if your last name is Jennings and you get on the school bus where don't you sit in the back just as one of the make sure and it's because of the simple fact sitting if you have the option to sit in the front the front row open and you choose to go sit in the back what you just did was tell Rosa no nah, Rosa you should get your seat up you know what Rosa Rosa Parks nah that's okay we like giving our seat up we don't need we don't need a seat we don't need a break we don't need a rest even after working however long cleaning someone's home or you know working on our feet for however many hours it's okay I'm not worthy enough I don't deserve a seat I know granny raised me to believe that I deserve the very best and I don't deserve it any more than anyone else 
but I deserve as a human being with breath in my body, I deserve the very best and so do you. And um, so did Rose Parks and everyone else that came before us and we won't, we will not undo what has been done. But what I'm saying to you as my little humans is that I want you guys to bring up the relay race, but I want you to do it your way. And I want you to do it from a place of love, understanding that there's good people, there's bad people of all color, black, white, and any other crayon color you can come up with. Doesn't matter, right? Like it doesn't matter at the end of the day, but the point of it is where you stand in this very moment is about learning and understanding why we're here today. But then when it's your time to be, what you call it, an upstander? <laughs> I love that word. It's, when it's your time, I want you to know I'm okay with you doing that. What we know is that the world of people that look like us, they need an upstander. When your hurdle comes in this bringing up the end of the race, hopefully there's enough people like you who's going to empower you until you win the race. But the race isn't over until we're all through the finish line and we're all on the same level. It's like if you're you're in the race and a whole bunch of people are booing you and there's like one, two, three people that are going, yeah, go, you got it, you got this. You have to like look past all the booing and try and find those people that are saying, yeah, you got this. Mm -hmm. And you need to like, it's like... It's power enough. Yes, but like guess little teensy tiny bit could be could go the long ways. Yeah. It could take you right where you want to need or give you right what you need. But you know one thing that I also know is that there are power in numbers. And one of the things that as Christians we believe that God has created us all unique, all just perfectly the way that you are do you know the number of things from a cellular level like from a cellular level to a realistic level to how many things had to occur for you to be made to come out with the skin color you have with the eye color you have, the hair color, with your facial features, with your shoe size, your body size. I mean, like, do you know how perfect you are just the way you are because of the number of things? Like, even if we forget them, if I would have never met daddy, we wouldn't be sitting here right now. If Nana and granddad didn't meet each other and they married somebody else we don't know, daddy wouldn't be here. And that meant that I wouldn't be married to him, which means that I wouldn't have gave him kisses, and that means the y'all wouldn't have come, and that means we're not sitting here. And then if you break each one of those levels down even further, how could we not think that everybody's scenario is not as unique and as special as that? There's so much that went into you being who you are and looking the way that you are. And how dare I say, because our neighbors next door, just like you, that their kids aren't perfect.
those kids don't look like my kids. So those kids are not unique. Those kids are not special. Those kids don't have anything to do with the world uh, that we live in. What? If you know all the bad sickness things out there like cancer and like stuff that kills people just randomly out of the blue, what if the cure to cancer was in the little kid who's sitting in a house that has no water and the mom has two jobs trying to make money so that they could have, you know, a little bit of something. But every time she gets ready to go through the race, there's a hurdle. And the little kid who is in that house right now who has no food, but the cure to cancer or some horrible disease is sitting in that house. And because they look different than the majority of the people, we never get the cure to cancer because no one cared enough to give them what they needed in life to succeed. Wouldn't that be a shame? That would be horrible. And what I want to make sure is that we are, in the words of Aaliyah, upstanders. I love that word. I'm going to probably reach Amaya in your little t-shirt line. You should, you should make a shirt that says upstander. I want to make sure that as long as there's breath in our bodies that we're giving and doing our part, and it doesn't have to look like Ava's part, isn't going to look like Aaliyah's part. And Aaliyah's part isn't going to look like your part. But as long as each one of us does our part, it's like almost walking in unison, united. Like I was telling you guys, how there's unity, there's change in numbers and unity. And unity, and you're all marching together, almost like locked arms and march. And But you got to be on the beat of the drum, right? You can't be off beat because if you off beat, you're messing up our rhythm. And if you're messing up our rhythm, you're messing up the step. If you're messing up the step, you're messing up the movement. You're messing up the change. And we're going to shake you, get you in line. All right, you ready? And one, two, two. The people who don't want to come into agreement with the fact that the kids next door are just as special to their mommy as you are to me. And that I bet you that mommy would give her life for those kids to do, to get anything and everything they deserve. And I would too. And that's what the world is seeing right now, that people are like, no, I don't care what you think about the fact that I don't look like you. My son, my daughter, my children, my family, we matter. As you've heard in this podcast with my daughters, Amaya, Aaliyah, and Ava, and during their time with their mother and our uncomfortable conversation, you heard some of their raw thoughts, unedited and raw. But what I want to leave you with for this podcast are conversational starters that you can potentially start with your children. Everyone's children, or if you don't have children, they could be a friend, but every situation is different and you'll know what works and what doesn't work and how to change it up in whatever the situation is. But what I want to encourage you to do is ask them, when was the last time that you were a witness to something and you wished you could have done something different? Or when was the last time you stood up for someone who couldn't speak for themselves? I know one of the things that we often ask our kids when they come home is, what did you do today that makes you proud? Or what did you do today that was a little bit different, but it was daring? 
And those are the types of conversation starters that'll let you know who needs to be empowered to own their space, but then also to stand up for someone else who might not necessarily be able to stand up for themselves. So I hope that this podcast was helpful. And until next time.